in the spirit of Jeffrey Dahmer, I've had about six drinks before we started recording this. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So I'm nice and buzzed. Got the body tangles. I don't have the urge to, like, stare at a man's torso, though. Mm. I'm going to leave that one on the, the table with with uh, Dahmer. <laughs> I am so excited, though, because we have decided to make this a three-part series instead of a two-part series. Mm-hmm. Because there's just so much. There's three so, times, so much. Three times the Dahmer. Three times the Dahmer. <laughs> That's going to be the next episode's name. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, I like punny names. I do too. It's really like uh, a Fourth of July special. That it is. Yes. It, he's really our big, one of our biggest hitters on the on the list. He's my favorite. He's not my favorite, but he's your favorite. Oh, he's so my favorite. It's not even funny. Because real talk, the next big hitter this summer is going to be. Mine and Sam's favorite. Yes. And I think we're going to roll right into him, aren't we? Yeah. (laughs) I literally reference him almost every time a killer fucks up. Yeah, and Dahmer fucks up quite a bit, as we're going to find out. The broken taillight. Goddamn broken taillights. Foreshadowing. (laughs) You know your serial killers it is. For about, what, (laughs) three weeks from now? (laughs) Two. 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 That's if we do two episodes on here. We might do three. No, we can't do two three parters. I'm down with it. Oh. I'm down to get I'm down to get squirrely. Oh no. But yes. Uh this is where all so the first episode we talked about Dahmer and his childhood. And you wanna call gonna, it that. Yeah, and Sam's gonna recap that. This one We're getting into the shit now. We're getting the nitty gritty. So we're going to cover in this episode Dahmer's first blood rage. Yeah, because we covered his first kill last episode. This is where he starts going into like... Bloodthirsty. Yeah, he he gets bloodthirsty two times in this series. We're covering Mm -hmm. the first one this time. So Sam, without further ado, take it away. So where we left off with Jeffrey Dahmer last episode, he'd moved into his grandmother's home and he was working at the Ambrosia Chocolate Factory. Shortly after Jeffrey found this employment, an incident occurred in which he was propositioned by another man while sitting reading in the West Dallas Public Library. The stranger threw Dahmer a note offering to perform to give him head. Although Jeffrey did not respond to this proposition, the incident stirred in his mind the fantasies of control and dominance he had developed as a teenager, and he began to familiarize himself with Milwaukee's gay bars, bathhouses, and bookstores. They had their own bookstores? Oh, yeah, gay bookstores. No way. Oh, yeah, that's this is this is the time before Grindr, guys. Uh, Is this the male erotica? Yeah. Okay. Cool. This is know. like before Grinder was a thing where it was just all at the tip of a, a button. Are you doing that like like philosophically or are you actually talking about like find that tip? Sometimes you just got to find the button, guys. <laughs> oh, God. For a man or a woman. Mm. 
During this time, Jeffrey had been struggling with his urge to kill again. Jeffrey had stolen a mannequin from a store and used it as a prop for sexual simulation until his grandmother found it stored in his closet and made him get rid of it. How would you like to find uh, your grandson's sex doll? Just come soaked. What sex did doll. he do with it? Like, I just want to know, like, he jerked off on it. Oh, he was using that to, like, suppress his urge to, like, because it just stood there. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he was. Yep. He liked the dead fish, like the odd creed that most men don't like. They want you to, like, hop on it and. Right. Yeah. Do tricks on it or some shit. As we're going to discuss here in a second. (laughs) Oh, You, you really uh, just smacked they, that one out of the park just, just now. Well, I mean, Jeffrey is a very simple man. He does not want you to throw that ass in a circle. He just wants you to throw that ass down, face down, <laughs> sedative style. And then he's going to strangle you and suck the dick of your corpse. Yes. Gross. Can't you get, like, some sort of, like, disease in it called, like, corpse mouth or some shit like that? Yeah, if, if you dig them up, Sam. Not if it's a fresh kill. Gross. I mean, he, gross either he, way. That's a he might have got. Yeah, like if you like, yeah, that's like a real thing, right? <gasps> Ew. It's like I don't know. I've never heard of it. I'm intrigued, but then horrified. Can well, we now I have to it. Google it can because we, can we get a fact checker on that? <laughs> we need to. Is there such thing as corpse mouth? Yeah, I, like I thought it was just people with bad breath. <laughs> Is that halitosis? Are you sucking dead dicks? <laughs> Uh, we're six minutes in, and it just... Christian's already divorced us into chaos. Just... Is that really a thing? Necrotic penis <laughs> sucking. Necrotic uh, head. Mm. A necrotic blowjob. Necrojob. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not okay. going to get hard. See, I'm so happy to be on this side of the table. I love it over here. Because she knows that I'm just going to go... Whew, into it. I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm feeling it. Me and Jeff, I'm feeling the spirit. <laughs> feeling the spirit. I'm feeling That's the spirit. Demon. I'm going to have to find it later because I can't find it. But there's de- it's definitely called like corpse mouth or something like that. Okay. That's foul. Big if true. Big if true. <laughs> I'm going to find it. Anyway. If you know anything about corpse mouth... <laughs> Let us know. Email us at creepsinthecrypt at gmail.com. It sounds like an infomercial. If you or somebody you know has been a victim of corpse mouth. What is this, a mesophilioma commercial? (laughs) By the way, welcome to Creeps in the Crypt, guys. Uh, As always, I'm Eric, and I'm joined by corpse mouth enthusiast (laughs) Sam and uh, my lovely wife, Christian. Listen, it's a real thing. It is a real thing. I'm I'm with it. it. if it not, you've be. created a new slang. And, um, <laughs> I might be trending. Look, whatever you like to do on a Friday night, you know. Uh, not get corpse mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you just eat a shit ton of fucking garlic and drink just no water. And drink no water at yeah, all. That's the cover up. And like, sleep with your mouth I don't mouth know if it. you really like Italian food or you suck dead dicks. <laughs> I think it's if you like if you like kiss them or like do that down there like I th- I 
There is, you get some sort of disease is it like from the, it. Is it like the scene from Clerks where uh, Dante's girlfriend goes, thinks she's fucking him in the bathroom, but she fucks the dead guy in the bathroom? Uh, you can't do that. I think the plot point was he, like, after he di- like he died jerking off or something, and, like, he was still hard. Do you get, like, a boner? I don't know. Like my it, FBI agent in my phone is going to be like, what the fuck is she doing? Do, somebody Google, do you get a boner when you die? I need to know this. Is it like a real thing? Because that would actually make a lot of sense. I feel like the blood would have somewhere that it needed to go. Don't you like shit your pants too? Yeah, most of the time Damn, you shit a, your pants. What a horrible, die. shitty way to go with a boner and a shitty pants. And imagine Dahmer had most of these men butt ass naked in his uh, in his house. Why wouldn't you want that? I'm all about it. And then there's just shit everywhere. I the shit no, but the I was gonna say yeah, you might want to hold off before you say you're all about it. You you had me on the train with you, and then I wanted off the train. (laughs) I wanted to stop right where you. Right. This is devolved into chaos, and I'm loving every <laughs> second. I was of okay it. with corpse mouth. <laughs> it was up until I'm just trying to paint a shitty picture of Dahmer's murders. <laughs> I don't know about this shit. You don't want to know about that shit. I don't want to know about that shit. I ain't about that shit. I ain't about that shit. <laughs> Hold on, I'm on Snopes. All right, Snopes will tell me if that's a real thing as soon as it loads. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, internet. Oh, my God. (laughs) I feel like I need to go. I hope you're in incognito mode. I hope you hit your private tab. Because your Google searches are going to be fucking lit. Oops, I did not hit it. How do you even? I don't even know how to do that. Oh, there you go. Okay. This is fucking crazy. Kissing a... Dead person. So you're looking at corpse mouth, and you're looking up death boners. No, I'm not. I'm looking up corpse mouth. Oh, I thought you were looking up, do you get a boner when you die? Depends on how long they've been dead. So that's what I was saying. It depends on how long the kill is. Gross. Is it weird to kiss your deceased family member? Yes, Yes. it's fucking weird. Mm. I'm sorry. Anytime I ever watch like a funeral scene where they like kiss him on the cheek, I'm immediately grossed out by that. Mm. I'm like, why? Why are you doing that? They they did such a good job doing the makeup. You're messing it up. Oh, I thought you were talking about like right when they croaked. No, I'm talking about like when they're in like the casket. The infectious hazards of dead bodies. Yes, please. I tell literally me. just saw that. Oh, it's a big fucking article. I don't want to read all that. Yes, yeah, too much for my attention. Why can't you just be like yes or no? Why can't the internet just give me like yes, it's real or no? It's right. not. Guys, anyway, let us know about corpse mouth and if you get a boner when you die. You can it, get tuberculosis, hepatitis B, C, HIV, contact AIDS. dermatitis. Is yeah. Also, maybe that's what they mean by corpse mouth. Herpes. You, can, you get, can get herpes. That's corpse mouth right there. You know <laughs> that one interview uh, that Dahmer did with. Uh, for oh, fuck. you can get fucking strip. Yeah, man. Yeah, there was an kissing interview. You can get fucking mono from a goddamn kissing a corpse. Well, corpse mouth. Don't kiss any corpses. But uh, yeah, there's an interview Dahmer did where it looked like he had like really dry lips or some <laughs> type of fucked up <laughs> situation. <laughs> 
it smelled. Exhibit A. All right. Well, anyway, so too many let's get let's get back into. Anyway, so Jeffrey Dahmer. stole the mannequin. His grandma's like, get that Jerked shit out. Jerked off all over it. Yeah. Grandma's like, nope, that's got to go. All right. So while having sex with men he meets at gay bars and bathhouses, he became frustrated with the way his partners moved during sex. He didn't like him moving around. He, like Christian was he did saying not earlier. like an engaged partner. So he started lacing their drinks with sedatives and assaulting them while they were unconscious. After several complaints from victims, Jeffrey lost his membership at the bathhouse, which, fun fact, I found that that membership card is for sale. Interesting. It's a lot of money, though. I think it was like 40 grand or some shit like that. But you can buy it. Too rich for my blood. Yup. In 1986, Jeffrey read an obituary in the newspaper for a recently (coughs) deceased 18-year-old man and later admitted to attempting to dig up his grave and steal his corpse. But the ground around his like coffin was way too hard, so he gave up. He was like, this is too hard, I'm out. So that would have gave him corpse mouth for sure. Gross. <laughs> it's a real thing, I swear it is. I remember reading about it, I was like, that's gross. All right, so this is where we're picking up officially... We're picking up steam, y'all. From last week's episode. So I hope you enjoyed our little recap where we added a couple extra things. This is where we're talking about his second murder. So September 1987, Jeffrey meets a guy named Steve Tomey at a bar. They decide that they wanted to bar hop for a little while, and then they were going to check into a hotel room and get even more drunk. Jeffrey woke up the next morning to find Stephen number two. So remember, this is his second victim. His first victim is also named Stephen. So we have Hitchhiker Stephen, we have Bar Stephen. And I think these were his only two white victims, correct? Technically, yes. I think his first two were white. Yeah, the rest were like Asian and black. Except for his third victim, who we'll get into in a minute. Yes. Getting there. So we have Bar Stephen. This is Bar Stephen. So we have, so he wakes up and he finds Stephen number two, Bar Stephen, dead. With no memory of what had happened the night before. He later said in an interview that he had no recollection of actually murdering Bar Stephen. And he made it seem like he murdered him on some sort of like blackout impulse. Which when I blackout and come to, I buy way more Taco Bell than I need to. Like, I, I wake up with tacos yeah, on my bedside table. My Amazon credit card is had a few charges on it any time I blacked out. Yeah, we're not the same. Sorry, sorry, Dahmer. I buy more tacos. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever killed a man blacked out drunk. I'm just trying not to Not that you know of. I, I'm, I'm willing to stake 99.999% on that. <laughs> I'm just like at the beginning of that blackout stage where Dahmer is hunting penis and then I fall asleep. Like, you bored me now. I've gone to sleep. Mm. Yep. You and my french fries. Yep. And my chicken <laughs> nugs. Jeez. Fuck. <laughs> he, so Jeffrey doesn't call the police or anything. No, no. Instead, he goes out and bought and buys a large suitcase to take Bar Stevens' body out in and over to his grandma's house because he's still living there. 
where he dismembered Stephen's body and then masturbated on Bar Stephen before disposing of his remains. Jeffrey, unlike most serial killers, took his time with each of his victims. He was into necrophilia, which he called, quote, passive sex. Bar Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's just... <laughs> Bar Stevens' murder was a catalyst in a way that kicked off his true killing spree. After that, he began actively seeking out men to drug, assault, and kill. It's like BTK, but worse. Yeah, there's a lot of BTK vibes in this. Uh There's a lot of, a mixture of a lot of killers in this. Yeah, I feel like Dahmer, though, was like... More sympathetic in the fact that, like, clearly he could not control himself. No, and he and he and it knew wasn't it was about wrong. the kill. Yeah, it wasn't about the kill. For it's not like Bundy, where you know he wanted to see the person fight back and struggle. That's what got him off. It was yeah. I don't want to kill. Like killing is just a means to an end because I want this person to never leave. I saw this like video on. About this, like, serial rapist that was, he was, like, being, he was being interviewed. And it was, like, how he chose his, like, victims. And it was the women he would, like, purposely, like, bump into them. And they were, like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, huh. He would be, like, yeah, that's the one. That's why I'm mean. Mm. Fuck you, get out of my way. And he would choose them with, like, ponytails. So we could yank them. Not Dahmer. He loved hairless torsos. Male torsos. Yes. But see, that's why you got to go for the women because there's no hair on. Well, you hope there's no hair on those torsos. You never know. Of course, these it days. is 2022. So. Anyway, in an interview with Inside Edition, Jeffrey said, quote, I had no intention of hurting him. When I woke up in the morning, he had a broken rib. He was heavily bruised. Apparently, I had beaten him to death with my fists. He basically, like, caved the dude's chest in. Gross. In another interview, Jeffrey said, quote, It was an incessant and never-ending desire to be with someone at whatever cost. Someone good-looking, really nice-looking. It just filled my thoughts all day long. End quote. See, he was just lonely. He was yeah. a lonely guy. He's a lonely guy. He's a lonely boy. didn't want his, his uh, lovers to leave him ever. Well, they didn't. Most of them, anyway. Only like a couple. Only a couple got away. Like I think it was like three. Yeah. Following the murder of Bar Stephen, Jeffrey began actively seeking victims, most of whom he encountered in or close to gay bars, and he typically lured them back to his grandma's home. Two months after Bar Stevens' murder, Jeffrey met a 14-year-old boy named James Dockstater. Yep. Sure. He was Native American, by the way. Okay. Jeffrey lured the boy to his home with a promise of $50 to pose for nude pictures. At Jeffrey's West Dallas residence, which is grandma's, the pair engaged in sexual activity before Jeffrey drugged James and strangled him on the floor of the cellar. Jeffrey left the body in the cellar for one week before dismembering it in much in the same manner as he had with Bar Steven. 
He placed all of James' remains, except the skull, in the trash. The skull was then boiled and cleansed in bleach before Jeffrey noted it had been rendered too brittle by this process. And he pulverized the skull two weeks later. He was, like, trying to masturbate with the skull. That's fucking gross. Yeah. It basically, like, fell apart. He was skull fucking. Yeah, he he was fucking the skull. Was he like? Was it like mouth open or like? I'm not. I wasn't there. Up here, I think it was eye hole. No, he, I, I, probably it was more like he was just masturbating onto the skull. I feel like that's not big enough. But because he'd used like the bleach and the um, the yeah, industrial it was too cleaner, brittle. Yeah, I it feel fell like apart. Yeah, you know, making. Well, a, I mean, if he's furiously masturbating on it. Uh, no, he was definitely using it. In a oh, I'm sure he way. like put his dick in the skull's mouth, and it's maybe a lot of teeth the action. yeah, maybe like the the spinal column hole and that's what I thought. That's what I figured. I, I'm sure. I'm sure Dick went. I feel like hole the eye hole can, would be too small. I'm sure Dick went all over that skull. Did he like slap it on the head? Yeah, and, uh, like mushroom like, stamped the skull, and it like came the frontal lobe in. <laughs> And then he rafikied that shit. Oh, Lord. He's like, oh, this is not a keeper. (laughs) For the most part, Jeffrey followed the same procedure with his victims. He would lure them to his home with offers of money for sex or money for private photo shoots. He would drug, assault, and kill his male victims. Not always in that order. The photo shoot thing is a total reminder of... Uh, Rodney Alcala. Yeah. Rodney Alcala, that was that was his MO, too. Mm-hmm. But, someone else uh, took pictures, too, wasn't it? Didn't I they? mean, a, sh- a ton of them have. I mean, it's, like someone it's like, like Notorious, like, the, like a big one, like a, one of the infamous guys, like Dahmer Alcala. Uh, I mean, I'm sure. I feel like someone uh, else did. I got a big old book here called "The Big so Book of Serial Killers." I had and to get I'm it. I'm sure we can find out. But yeah, I mean, when you have like, I'm sure a bunch of the gay guys in Milwaukee were like want to be models or some shit. Oh yeah, everyone loves their picture taken. Exactly. So he. Would he, he would drug and assault and kill his victims, not always in that order. He would sever the limbs and head from the torso, remove the bones from the body by either using acid or simply just filleting them from the bone. He would then dissolve all remaining flesh and dispose of it. Then he would either smash the bones with a sledgehammer and scatter or discard them. However... Jeffrey almost always kept the skulls of his victims. According to the Journal Times, Jeffrey stated, quote, It was my way of remembering their appearances, their physical beauty. If I couldn't keep them there with me, I could keep their skeletons. This is also around the same time Jeffrey had the idea for the altar Fucking that he weirdo. would build later on. God, he was weirdo. He, he, uh... He had it written down on a piece of paper, and I will be posting it on the Instagram uh, after this episode comes out. But it's like got two full skeletons on each side, and then like seven skulls on a big black table. Mm-hmm. And he wanted a big black leather chair. 
to masturbate towards the skulls, like while he like. Well, while they watched him. Well, yes, while the skulls watched him from up in heaven. That's not where they went. Because he has their body parts. Mm. So they can't go. Is that how that works? Mm-hmm. Okay. The spaghetti ghosts are just watching him masturbate onto their fucking skulls. He's making his own ghost. Mm. On March 24th, 1988, Jeffrey met... A 22-year-old man named Richard Guerrero, Guerrero. Yep. Outside a gay bar called the Phoenix, Jeffrey lured Richard to his grandmother's residence. Although the incentive on this occasion was fifty dollars to simply spend the remainder of the night with Jeffrey, he then drugged Richard with sleeping pills and strangled him with a leather strap. With Jeffrey then performing oral sex on the corpse. Corpse Jeff- mouth. You you do. It's it's a real thing. I swear. Jeffrey dismembered Richard's body within 24 hours of murdering him, again disposing of the remains in the trash and keeping the skull before pulverizing it several months later. It served its purpose, I guess. Mm. It was still had skin on it. For a time being. I mean, there was a few skulls that still had, like, decaying skin on them. Gross. On April 23rd of the same year, Jeffrey lured another young man to his house. However, after giving the victim a drugged coffee, both he and the intended victim heard Jeffrey's grandmother call, Is that you, Jeff? Although he replied in a manner that led his grandmother to believe he was alone, she did observe that Jeffrey was not alone. Because of this, Jeffrey opted not to kill this particular victim. Instead, he waited until he'd become unconscious before taking him to the county general hospital. His grandmother is just, like, upstairs, like, knitting or fucking doing flower arrangements while he's just making his own arrangements. Mm-hmm. She's, like, baking cookies and shit for him. Mm-hmm. And some fresh chocolate chip What cookies. a great grandma. Mm. Poor grandma. In September of 1988, Jeffrey's grandmother asked him to move out, largely because of his drinking, his habit of bringing young men to her house late at night, and the foul smells occasionally emanating from both the basement and the garage. At one point, um... <coughs> His grandmother actually called Lionel, his dad, to come over and have a conversation with him about the garbage bags that he was leaving out by the road that had black goo coming out of them. Uh, And when Lionel confronted him about it, he was like, oh, you know, I'm just, you know, cleaning animal carcasses and it's it's my stuff. And his dad was like, "Eh, all right. Mm. But yeah, he Mm -hmm. would he would take these trash bags full of human body parts. And just leave him out by the side of the fucking road for the trash man to pick up. And this happened and they never time knew. and time again. They never knew that there was bodies in there. Nope. How do you not know? Because they, they're they just doing their fucking job. They're just grabbing the trash can. Look, I put all my yard clippings in my trash can the other day. I was fully expecting them to be like, we're not going to take this shit. But they took it anyway. That's yard clippings, not viscera. This is clippings of a human. 
This is human clippings. It's not a guy's foot, I know. But still. Mm. Mm-mm. So Jeffrey found a one-bedroom apartment at 808 North 24th Street and moved into his new apartment on September 25th. Two days later, he was arrested for drugging and sexually assaulting a 13-year-old boy who he had lured to his home on the pretext of posing for nude photographs. Yeah, he, like, picked this kid up by his school, by the way. Oh, I can't stand him. Jeffrey's father, Lionel, hired an attorney named Gerald Boyle to defend his son. At Gerald's request... Jeffrey underwent a series of psychological evaluations prior to his upcoming court hearings. These evaluations revealed Jeffrey harbored deep feelings of alienation. A second evaluation two months later revealed him to be an impulsive individual, suspicious of others, and dismayed by his lack of accomplishments in life. His probation officer would also reference a 1987 diagnosis of Jeffrey suffering from a schizoid personality disorder for presentation to the court. And he was definitely like, I'm picking up bipolar tendencies. Yeah, it was like a his some sort of like schizo something. It wasn't schizophrenic or schizoactive or whatever. It was something else. I remember reading it. I was like, what? The hell? That doesn't even that is, that doesn't even sound real. But I guess it was. It was just very odd sounding. Yeah. It's like schizolytal or something like that. I don't know. Schiz- schizolite? <laughs> it's the, the free trial version. Yeah. It's like Bud Light. It's less car- less calories. <laughs> less voices. Yeah. <laughs> you only have half the voices. Sounds like a bargain to me. On January 30th, 1989, Jeffrey pled guilty to the charges of second-degree sexual assault and enticing of a child for immoral purposes. Sentencing for the assault was suspended until May. On March 20th, he commenced a 10-day Easter absence from work, during which he moved back into his grandmother's home. Oh, poor guy. He had to go back to grandma's. Two months after his conviction and two months prior to his sentencing for the sexual assault, Jeffrey murdered his fifth victim, a mixed-race 24-year-old aspiring model named Anthony Sears, who he met at a gay bar on March 25, 1989. According to Jeffrey, on this particular occasion, he was not looking to commit a crime. However, shortly before closing time that evening, Anthony, quote, just started talking to me. Jeffrey lured him to his grandmother's home where the pair engaged in oral sex before Jeffrey drugged and strangled Anthony. The following morning, Jeffrey placed the corpse in his grandmother's bathtub where he decapitated the body before attempting to flay the corpse. He then stripped the flesh from the body and pulverized the bones, which he again disposed of in the trash. According to Jeffrey, he found Anthony, quote, exceptionally attractive, and he was his first victim Jeffrey permanently kept any body parts of. He preserved Anthony's head and genitalia and acetone and stored them in a wooden box which he later placed in his work locker after an incident that took place between Jeffrey and his father. I'm going to play you the video 
of Jeffrey and Lionel talking about this incident. Lovely. The so-called box incident happened in 1989, when Jeffrey had already killed at least five young men. It was a, about a one-foot square box, uh, metal and wood box. My dad, uh, one week, came to visit and happened to see it and uh, he was wondering what was in it. He didn't know. Nobody knew. And I said, Jeff, open it up. I just want to see what's in there. We got into uh, a bit of an argument because I wouldn't open it up. And I said, Jeff, open it up or, or I'm going to just take it down into the basement and get a screwdriver or something and open it up. I was thinking I've got to stop this from happening. He got angry, very visibly agitated. I thought, you know, it's all going to come crashing down now. Not uh, fathoming what could be in that box, I said, okay, just open it up tomorrow then, and then let's get rid of it, whatever it is. What was in the box? The mummified head and, and uh, genitals of uh, a young man I met in one of the bars down in Milwaukee. But the box was never opened, uh, not in my dad's presence. And so the, uh, the lies continued. Yeah. It was never opened in my dad's presence. It's like, <laughs> oh, fuck. That's a real oh, fuck moment for you. It's like, it reminds me of when, like, Adeline has something she shouldn't have, and she, like, takes off and runs from me with it, and I'm like, quit running! At least it's not a mummified head and genitalia. It's not yet anyway. Dad, I'm not going to be able to finish my sculptor. It's my centerpiece. Well, I can roll my eyes any harder than I just did. It's the truth, though. <laughs> Dad, it's my hearts and crafts. Dad, it's my hobby. Killing and keeping body parts. On May 23rd, 1989, Jeffrey was sentenced to five years probation and one year in the House of Correction with work release permitted in order that he was able to keep his job. He was also required to register as a sex offender. I mean, he had to keep paying these guys 50 bucks a time. But did this stop him? No, we wouldn't be doing three episodes on him. No. Nope. This stopped him. He stopped right here. Oh, I've been made. Gotta, I gotta be a sex offender now. I'm on a list. This is where I end. You'd think he'd stop trying to go after young boys, but nope. I yeah. swear they were 18. It's my 19 year old lover. Anyway, foreshadowing. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> Two months before his scheduled release from the work program, Jeffrey was paroled from his regime. His five years probation imposed in 1989 began at this point. On release, he temporarily moved back into his grandmother's home in West Allis before, in May of 1990, moving into the Oxford Apartments located on North 25th Street in Milwaukee. Although located in a high-crime area, the apartment was close to his workplace. It was furnished and at 300 per month in, in, and included all of the bills, excluding electricity... It was economical. Look at him. Very smart man. Yeah. Very resourceful. Mm-hmm. 
And I'd no, say so. And there was probably a lack of cops because he mm-hmm. was in the hood. <laughs> He's very smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He says, I can conduct my business. Yep. With no interruption. He, like, puts his finger on the skull, like, shh. Oh, we're going to get to that. I'll bring you a friend later. Yep. Yeah, we're going to get to that. All skulls need friends. Mm-hmm. On May 14th, 1990, Jeffrey moved out of his grandmother's house and into 924 North 25th Street, apartment 213, which is no longer standing, by the way. I got a wild hair up my butt and I Googled it. Oh, they bulldozed that motherfucker. And everybody was like, yeah, please bulldoze this fucking place the land hasn't even been used it's just no it just it's sits there permanently destroyed like nobody would fucking dare it's definitely it would definitely be fucking haunted oh for sure what's what's crazy though is like his apartment was 213 and the club he used to hunt at a lot was club 219 hmm. so i'm sure the line was used hey you want to go to back to my place it's club 213 Oh, my God. I got some friends back there. I got some friends who are really excited to meet you. We're having a barbecue later. Oh. No. So when he moved into apartment 213, he took Anthony's mummified head and genitals with him. Within one week of his moving into his new apartment, Jeffrey had killed his sixth victim, Raymond Smith. He was a 32-year-old male prostitute who Jeffrey lured to apartment 213 with the promise of $50 for sex. Inside the apartment, he gave Raymond a drink laced with seven sleeping pills and then strangled him. That's a lot of sleeping pills. Yeah, that's a I feel like that's, a, that's like overkill. That's the point. I'm going to add to your barbecue content. I don't think that he would want barbecue. I think he's on very much a raw diet. No, he, he cooked, cooked them. Oh, he he said it tastes similar, it has a texture similar to pork. He, really? He mm-hmm. actually had condiments specifically for... I feel like he needs to be on a raw diet. No. Nah. What would he... What? I'm now intrigued. What special condiments? Like, his favorite mustard, his... his oh, so he didn't, like, make a sauce. We'll get, we'll get to it in episode he three. He puts grape pond on their thigh meat. <laughs> <laughs> Beef Wellington. <laughs> Man Wellington. It's beef, all right. The following day, Jeffrey purchased a Polaroid camera with which he took several pictures of Raymond's body in six, in suggestive positions before dismembering him in the bathroom. Doggy style. Just all doggy. All of it. Yep. He bowled the legs, arms, and pelvis in a steel kettle with soil X which allowed him to then rinse the bones in his sink. Jeffrey dissolved the remainder of Raymond's skeleton, excluding the skull, in a container filled with acid. He later spray-painted Raymond's skull, which he placed alongside Anthony's skull, upon a black towel inside a metal filing cabinet. He's like, oh yeah, my altar's all coming together. My jerk-off hut is finally coming through. The oh. nut hut. <laughs> The nut hut. <laughs> Fucking hell. Every now and then, I'm every on my A game. Yeah, Sam, Sam's ready every mm-hmm. now and then. Coming with some zingers. 
About a week after Raymond Smith's murder, Jeffrey lured another young man into his apartment. On this occasion, however, Jeffrey himself accidentally consumed the drink laced with the sedatives intended for his guest. It's a real uh, whole bouquet of oopsie daisies. Right? When he awoke the following day, he discovered that his intended victim had stolen several items of his clothing, $300, and a watch. Jeffrey never reported this incident to the police, although on May 29th, he divulged to his probation officer that he'd been robbed. Oh, what happened? Did they, like, break in? Well, you see, I was trying to drug and kill and fuck them, but, uh... He had other plans. Yeah, I fucked up and switched the drinks. It's the damnedest thing. Could you imagine that boy or man or however old he was, like looking, turning on the news on July twenty second or twenty third, and being like, "Oh fuck!" Very lucky. Oh shit! And I bet that that watch is worth a lot of money right now. Right, and the clothes if they still are intact. Uh, in June of 1990, Jeffrey lured a 27-year-old acquaintance named Edward or Eddie Smith into his apartment. He drugged and strangled Eddie. It's safe to say he drugged and strangled, like, everybody but, like, one person. Uh, there was a couple instances where, like, he'd run out of Halcyon. And, yeah. yeah, but we'll get to that. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like. I would say 90% of the victims yeah, it, were drugged and strangled and then fucked. Yes. Or blown. Not in that order. Not, Not in that probably. Order. Probably in that order too, but corpse mouth. Fucking corpse mouth. <laughs> On this occasion, rather than immediately acidifying the skeleton or repeating previous processes of bleaching, which had rendered the previous victim's skulls brittle. Jeffrey placed Eddie's skeleton in his freezer for several months, hoping it would not retain moisture. Freezing the skeleton, in fact, did not remove moisture, and the skeleton of this victim would be acidified several months later. He accidentally destroyed the skull when he placed it in the oven to dry, a process that caused the skull to explode. Jeffrey later told police he'd felt, quote, rotten about his murder as he had been unable to retain any parts of the body. Yeah, he, Dahmer felt bad about this one because there was no point to it. Yeah. Because he was a product killer, he wanted a keepsake. He liked his trophies. And he didn't, he didn't like killing. This what like killing wasn't what got him off, and we'll say this a hundred times more. But because of this, the skull exploding, he's just like, this is a fucking waste. I'm, yeah, he I'm was like really annoyed about effort. it. Yeah, he was like super butt hurt. And uh, at one point, I found out in the research about this that Dahmer called uh, his the this guy's sister about a year later and told her don't look for your brother i killed him and hung up the phone could you imagine no i can't nope he's like i killed him you don't need to look for him well at least he took out the hunting work well he thought he thought that was a very like decent upstanding thing he did he's like you know i just wanted him to have some closure i'm with him on that i mean i respect it 
And he did this. He did this to a lot of his victims. Like uh, in the article I read, it's like Dahmer would call him and just be like, "Yeah, don't don't bother looking for him. They're dead. I I killed him." That's crazy. He took the time to like look up their phone numbers. This was back in the phone book days. Mm -hmm. Probably on a payphone. How many people do you think he called back? (laughs) They're like, I don't. I'm looking for the family of uh, yeah John Smith. Yeah. We don't have a John Smith. Never mind. Wrong number. Have yeah. a good day. I didn't kill your son. I did not kill your son. You can continue looking continue for him. Continue looking. I was about to say that. Yeah. Continue looking for him. Carry on. <laughs> Carry on. Have a good day. Nothing to see here. Be well. Nothing to see here. Nothing up my sleeve. Nothing in my hand. Less than three months after the murder of Eddie, Jeffrey encountered a 22-year-old named Ernest Miller outside a bookstore on the corner of North 27th Street. Ernest agreed to accompany Jeffrey to his apartment for, guess it, 50 bucks, and further agreed to allow him to listen to his heart and stomach. When he attempted to perform oral sex upon Ernest, he was informed, quote, that'll cost you extra. Whereupon, Jeffrey gave his intended victim a drink laced with two sleeping pills. Why not seven? Well, because he was out. That's all he had, too. Yeah. That's all he had. Well, I shouldn't have wasted all, like, freaking seven. That's a lot. He could have just, like, done five and five. Hmm. Or if two gets the job done, two. Here I am criticizing his methods. Yeah, he'd like run out of Halcyon. And uh, this is where we see a deviation from Dahmer's normal MO. A horrible deviation. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure I know where this is going after this. On this occasion, so uh, um, Ernest Miller's. Murder. Jeffrey only had two sleeping pills to give him. Therefore, he killed Ernest by slashing his throat with the same knife he used to dissect his victims' bodies. Ernest bled to death within minutes. Jeffrey then posed the nude body for various suggestive Polaroid photographs before placing it in his bathtub for dismemberment. He repeatedly kissed and talked to the severed head <coughs> while he dismembered the remainder of the body. He had a fucking puppet show. Gross. He's like, what do you think, Ernest? <laughs> which body part should I, which body part should I start hacking up first? Well, I don't know, Jeffrey. Gross. I love it. Maybe I'll... start with my penis. <laughs> oh my god, can I come to your puppet show? Uh, I'll put one on for you later. Is it finger puppets? It is. <laughs> I'm going to turn you into a finger puppet. Sam's regretting her decision to come over here. I love you guys. <laughs> Jeffrey wrapped Ernest's heart, biceps, and portions of flesh from the legs in plastic bags and placed them in the fridge for later consumption. He balled the remaining flesh and organs into a, quote, jelly-like substance, which... You could spread that on a cracker. Eric. Oh, God. Here you go, guys. was uh, branching out. That's when the cannibalism started. Eating of the heart and uh, the arm muscle. 
it was a way of uh, making me feel that uh, they were a part of me. At, at, for, at first, it was just curiosity, and then it became compulsive. Yep. So and that's when the cannibalism and started. That's when the cannibalism started, guys. So he used uh, Solex to uh, create the jelly-like substance. Basically, it's it's uh, it stripped all the the fat and everything off, and all the meat that was left on the bones. It cleaned them up real nice. Real nice. Real nice. So to preserve the skeleton, Jeffrey placed the bones in a light bleach solution for 24 hours before allowing them to dry on a cloth for a week. The severed head was initially placed in the refrigerator before also being stripped of flesh and then painted and coated with enamel. I wonder where these skulls are now. Uh, buried, I'm sure. Their families. <clears throat> Their families probably got him back. I hope so. Three weeks after the murder of Ernest Miller on September 24th, Jeffrey encountered a 22-year-old man named David Thomas at the Grand Avenue Mall and persuaded him to return to his apartment for a few drinks with additional money on an offer if he would pose for photographs. And this is where he's going to start picking up a lot of his victims is at the Grand Avenue Mall. So in part three, we're going to see Grand Avenue Mall come up a few times. Perfect. This is hunting ground. Mm-hmm. In his statement to police after his arrest, Jeffrey stated that after giving David a drink laced with sedatives, he did not feel attracted to him, but was afraid to allow him to awake in case he would be angry over having been drugged. I mean, not like he's like, oh, honest he's, mistake. See you later. It's like once he got his shirt off, he had like a hairy chest and he was just like, mm, I'm good. And like a little tupped. So he strangled David and dismembered the body, intentionally keeping no body parts whatsoever. He photographed the dismemberment process and retained these photographs, which later aided in David's identification. Following the murder of David Thomas, Jeffrey didn't kill anyone for almost five months. Although on a minimum of five occasions between October 1990 and February 1991, he unsuccessfully attempted to lure men to his apartment. He is also known to have regularly complained of feelings of both anxiety and depression to his probation officer throughout 1990 with frequent, re frequent references to his sexuality his solitary lifestyle, and financial difficulties. On several occasions, Jeffrey is also known to have referred to harboring suicidal thoughts. That he did not act on. No, he didn't. Clearly. Not. Well, no, not, no, he didn't yet. And that's where we're going to leave it for today, this week's episode, and we'll pick back up when the killing starts again. Yep, round two. Ding, ding. So he's he's in his five-month cool-down period. 
Mm-hmm. Everybody's got to take a break once in a while. Kind of yeah, you know, recharge the battery. Maybe, maybe I'll feel inspired again. He's got to make room in his fridge and freezer. Yeah, he's he's got a lot he's of. He's got meat a lot of meat to process right now. He's got a lot. I'm to glad snacks. our minds are on the same. <laughs> They're always on the same. He's like, oh, you know, I got a lot in my freezer right now. I really should he's go like, through that meat before I go to the grocery store again. I love. I would love to hear him out, like at the gay bar, just having drinks, and some guy is like hitting on him, and he's like, I just got a lot on my plate right now. I would invite you over for dinner, but you know. Uh, my my fridge is full. <laughs> I have no room for leftovers. Oh, thank you, oh, Sam. Fuck. You all right. rounded it off. And that's Jeffrey Dahmer Part 2. Done and dusted. Christian, would you go ahead and drop the socials for us? The socials. Yes. Okay. Make sure you guys are following us. Make sure you guys are subscribing. Uh, there is this... One thing with Apple Podcasts and Spotify, where if you do not have your auto downloads on, it will stop giving you notifications on when our episodes drop. So make sure your auto downloads are on. Make sure you guys are liking the show. Please leave comments. We are in the middle of summer slaughter, and it's only going to get a wilder from here. So make sure you guys are subscribed, and we appreciate you, and we hope you guys stay creepy. Yes, stay creepy, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.